welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. In today's podcast, we feature an episode of Contractor Evolution from Breakthrough Academy. In this episode, Benji and Igor talk about what an ideal candidate profile is and why you don't want to post a job ad without one. Hello and welcome to the Ultimate Hiring Funnel series. Today is episode one. I'm going to talk quickly about what this entire series is about, um, and then I'll get to today's episode. So look, it is no secret that hiring is hard, really hard, especially in our construction and trades industries. Labor shortages are a real thing. And yes, perhaps millennials and Gen Zers aren't as gritty as older generations may have been. And also, yes, the government has paid a bunch of people to stay at home for over a year and a half, leading to a super lethargic workforce. We get it. But look, it is what it is, and none of this stuff you can do much about. What you can do, though, is build the best hiring funnel in your market, and that is exactly what the next six episodes are going to be all about. Over the coming weeks, we're going to explain in plain English how you can think like a marketer and start to build an employee brand that attracts top talent towards your company. Uh, We'll talk a lot about how to write job postings that get the highest performers excited to apply. Uh, We'll talk about how to get actively recruiting instead of passively waiting, Um, and we'll talk about how to start practicing behavioral interviewing so that you can delve into an applicant's previous behavior, predict their future performance, and make better choices on your people. Uh, And we're going to talk about a whole bunch of other stuff too. This is going to be a six-part series. So episode one, which is today, is going to be on ideal candidate profiling. Episode two, which will be next week, will be focused on how to write a job posting that sells your company as an amazing place to work. Episode three, we're going to dig deep into promotion and active recruitment tactics so as many people as possible see that great job posting that you wrote and apply. Uh, Episode four is going to be all about conversion calls. So that's that first phone call that you would make to an applicant after they've applied um, where you set up an interview, you get to know them, uh, or maybe actually move on. Episode five after that, this is going to be a deep dive on behavioral interviewing. So when you sit down with a candidate, um, we want to break down that interview process, what questions you should ask, how to probe, how to how to score people. Episode six, the finale, this is going to be on selection and expectation setting. So how do you make those super tough decisions late in the recruitment process and then set up that new team member for success over the long haul? Uh, as always, I will be joined by by my co-host Igor, and we have an onslaught of amazing new guests throughout this series. Honestly, it doesn't matter whether you are a seasoned pro or you just started your business this year. If you're in landscaping, painting, construction, roofing, drywall, electrical, HVAC, plumbing, junk removal, uh, property maintenance, or any home service company, uh, and you want to build your dream team, this series is for you. 
Today is episode one, and we couldn't be more excited to launch this series with our favorite recruiter, Josiane Godet. Josiane runs Crew HR here in Vancouver. She has a master's in HR, and over her extensive 18-year career, she's been involved in the hiring of over 600 roles for her huge book of clients. We here at Breakthrough Academy, we've also worked with her a ton over the years, and we can honestly vouch for her. She is a true expert in all things recruitment, selection, onboarding conflict management, employment law, headhunting, all of it. In today's episode, she teaches us how to make an ideal candidate profile, which is the primary building block for any hiring funnel. Think about it, right? Like you can't hire the right person if you don't know exactly what you're looking for in the first place. And while that might seem kind of obvious, a lot of people mess this up. So Josiane explains in no uncertain terms how you can gain tremendous clarity about who you want and then how to leverage that clarity throughout the rest of your hiring funnel. I really hope you enjoy it. You're watching Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. You're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability. You've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school, and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Hey, just before we jump into things, I wanted to let you know you can get the free resources that we talk about in this episode in the show description. So hit pause right now, go download them, and they'll be waiting in your inbox by the time we finish this episode. Josiane, welcome to the show. Thanks, Benji. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you. Likewise. So I want to start with um, a simple question. Just tell us what is an ideal candidate profile? So an ideal candidate profile is really like a collection of information that's going, that will inform your recruitment decisions. So basically, you can think about it like building an avatar, so in a video game, mm -hmm. so that perfect uh, character, that perfect person that's going to fill your position and answer the needs that you're looking for. Like those games at the beginning when you got to actually like decide what characteristics they have. I want it to have like this much speed, this much strength, this much intelligence. Some games they have like magic skills and then you go and play the rest of the game with that character. That's what you're talking about when you say an avatar. Exactly, exactly. And I love the way you're referring to the skills. So it's almost like the face uh, of the character would be, you know, slightly blurry because you don't exactly know who it's going to be. Right. But you know what you're looking for in terms of, uh, of skills and abilities. Cool. So it's, it, um, it, it is like an actual document that you would write out then. Exactly. So the more precise you can be, uh, the most chances you have to, to, to reach your goal and actually find what you're looking for. Okay. Another good analogy for this, guys, is, is it is like planning, right? We plan a ton of stuff in business, right? You should be doing an annual business plan. There's a sales plan you're making. There's a production plan. It's no different. Like as you, a lot of people will just roll right into a recruiting process. This is kind of like that fundamental, uh, that groundwork that you do to figure out like who are we going to go and look for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, from your experience, Josiane and, and Igor, chime in whenever you want. Like, why are these so important? Why are they so fundamental? Why is it the first step of any good recruiting process? So um, I was kind of joking earlier and uh, referring to 
determining your ideal candidate profile just as it is when you're shopping for a couch and you go to the store and you want to make sure that you go to the store with the layout of your living room and you know your measurements. Right. Otherwise, you're just going to be shopping for looks, maybe fabrics, but you're, you're not going to be able to make that decision in the end because it's a big purchase and you don't know if it's going to fit in your house. So you might actually make the decision, yeah. which we probably all done. You go spend like 2,500 bucks on this really cool couch that you fell in love with when you walked in the showroom and the salesman, you know, closed you. And then you go home and you're like, this thing doesn't work with the room at all. It's too big or it's the wrong color. That's even worse. So it's, it's a, a planning document that, that helps you think through who you want on the team before you go out and look for them. And I wonder if you could speak to the flip side of this. Like, what do we risk having happen? if we don't build one of these? So if you don't build one of these, you're lacking clarity around uh, the needs uh, of the position. So what this person would actually be doing within the organization. Uh, you will lack clarity in terms of, uh, of the skills and the abilities that you're looking for. And you just won't have a clear picture going into uh, the recruitment process. So as a result, uh, you might be spinning your wheels a little bit mm -hmm. when you're screening resumes, uh, when you're actually meeting people, your interview questions will not be targeted and right. won't be able to allow you to measure what you want to measure. And in the end, uh, you just may not recruit the best person. And then as we know, there's a huge cost for uh, bad recruitment. You know, that actually happens all the time. What you, the point you just made about the interviewing um, step, because what I hear a lot from our members and, and certainly Breakthrough Academy prospects when I speak with them, uh, and we're talking about interviewing, is um, it's actually not uncommon for people to sit down for an interview with someone and kind of like freeze up when they realize this is a meeting that they're leading and they don't even know um, what questions to ask. They don't, and the reason they don't know that is because they don't know who they're looking for in the first place. And so what sort of ends up happening is um, you talk, you get to know them on a personal level, you banter a bit, you talk about your company and then you go, well, you know, they, they seemed, they seem solid. Like, well, let's give them a shot. Like that's sort of what, it, that's the, the pitfall that I think can end up happening when this, this, uh, step gets skipped. Exactly. And this person may be awesome to go for a beer with because you had a great conversation, but that doesn't mean it's exactly what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Igor, anything to add is as far as like things that might happen if, if we skip this. Yeah, totally. I think uh, there's a huge risk of not having a ton of clarity on the role itself. A, a lot of people I find, uh, they don't think through like the why, why I'm doing this, right? Uh, you'll know that, okay, well, I should have a production manager or I should have a project manager. I should have an office admin, but those words are pretty general. Like right. an office admin or an office manager can, can mean, mean different things. A ton of different things, right? Yeah. So to think through like what is it that I'm looking for is is super important, right? And it's and it's totally in the context of your business, uh, the way that you've built it, the current state of development, like where you're at in the growth and development of your company. It's based on your style as a leader and your strengths and your weaknesses and really asking that question, like, why am I adding this position, right? So actually just this morning, I was, uh, I was working on some organizational structure stuff and when you visually look at your org structure and you've got these, we call them uh, in the software, actually they're called nodes, right? Where you basically hit the plus button and you add a node or a position. Why are you adding that role, the position, the node, whatever you want to call it, right? But you're now, you're effectively 
complicating your org structure mm-hmm. by adding every single you one. And you better have a really good justification of why am I doing that? And I think that reason needs to be better defined than, well, because we're really busy right now. Totally. And, and that's a to, lot of why And it needs from. to be better than, well, because like my buddy said that he hired an office manager yeah. and it really helped him. Totally. And it's got to be more... Um, personal to your own business, what it needs, all that stuff. Exactly. And also on that note, like I think a really good question to ask yourself is what is the root problem you're trying to solve Mm -hmm. by adding and injecting this role into your org structure? So that's a huge part of this uh, kind of groundwork thought that I think needs to go in that, as Josie said, will add so much clarity long-term for you. And if you don't do it, you you are at massive risk of, of, of not nailing it like in the whole recruiting process yeah. and, and ending up with the wrong person in the wrong type of role and a lot of things can go wrong. Exactly. And I think too, when you do that exercise, especially when you're adding a position to your org structure, is that uh, you're, you're going to find out, do we have overlap in terms of, of responsibilities? And I think that's, uh, that, that's very interesting to find out before you get you know, the person in the role and then you realize that you have three other, pe- other people in, totally. in the company doing similar things or too much overlap. Yep, exactly. This yeah. is, so the, building an ideal candidate profile, I think it's also important I want to highlight, this is something that helps you with the longevity of the hire rather than the quickness of you finding that. So if you're in a huge rush to just get a warm body tomorrow, this would be something that, you know, I think a lot of people obviously skip. They're like, ah, it's an extra step. I don't have the time. I just need someone. I suppose that makes sense in a few very, very rare business cases. But if you're truly interested in building an organization, a team, a culture, you do need people for the long haul. And this is about figuring out who's going to fit for that longer term journey. Because if you just need a warm body, go throw up an ad on Craigslist and cross your fingers and you'll get one. But this is about, this is a longer term investment in your team. That's why we build one. Okay. Yeah. And sorry, Benji, can I just ask one really quick question? If we're doing this properly, how long does it take? Because I hear, totally hear what you're saying, that it is an additional step, but I don't think this is something that's going to take you like a whole, that you're going to spend a whole week doing. I would argue this is like a really focused three to four hour exercise. Exactly, exactly. And it may require, and I would strongly encourage it, conversations with different team members. Totally. Especially if you have business partners to make sure everybody's on the same page. Yeah, who Um, do we want? Exactly, exactly. So three hours, four hours max, I think that's, uh, you can do it easily. Yeah, exactly. So Benji, to your point, yes, it's an extra step. And I think a lot of listeners are, I'm super busy already. Why am I ejecting an extra thing? But I would argue this is like a super high ROI Three or four hours, and if you, right. yeah, like you know, if you ask uh, our BTA members who have done this, who have taken those three or four hours, um, it it pays itself back in dividends time and time and time again. Totally. So, okay, we we did a little bit of um, thinking through like the actual nuts and bolts of what's included in uh, included in an ideal candidate profile. I want to go through this this framework. Um, with you two and just kind of add your thoughts to each of these pieces and why they need to be included in uh, one of these ideal candidate profiles. So the first thing on a lot of them uh, should be company values. Why, why, why do those belong at the top of an ideal candidate profile? 
So uh, they should be at the foundation of everything we do, especially anything that touches on human resources, company values need to be on the document. It's just about, again, having the clarity about what they are uh, in, in terms of not just stating the words, but also adding the definitions, mm -hmm. because some of these words will come back in, in the document when we're drafting what it is that we're looking for. And it really ties into personal values of the person that we'll be seeking. So that's an important point. It sh the company values on this um, profile shouldn't just be like integrity, quality, trust, one words. It's like quality over quantity and then a few phrases on the definition of what that value means to the organization. Always, always. Love it. Um, the next thing on this profile is the mission or the why. Uh, and that was, I think, to, to your point earlier, Igor, that's like thinking through what problem are we trying to solve? Why are we adding this person to the organization? Yeah, like you have to be able to justify it to yourself. And, and a way that I like to think of this sometimes, if, if I as a leader was reporting to some sort of board of directors that was grilling me on like, why are we complicating the org structure? Why are we approving this additional payroll spend? Like, mm. how am I going to justify why I want to add this role? Right. And most of our contractors don't have a board of directors that they're reporting to, but they should almost put themselves in that situation when thinking through it. Yeah, totally. Right. And, and, and it's, I just find it always so fascinating uh, how complex a business can get over time. Right. Uh, as, as you start to, you're, you're diving into your sales org is getting more complex. Maybe you're adding a marketing component to your business, right? So uh, like yesterday, I just, after like a five month selection process, we finally selected the candidate for a role on the marketing team that, that we called a marketing operations specialist, right? And three years ago, I couldn't even tell you what that means. But over time, as, as the organizational structure got more complicated, we realized, wow, there's this person that has to manage the actual marketing campaigns and the landing pages and the email communications and, and all of these things. And we're like, holy crap, this is, this is a role, mm -hmm. right? But I really put a lot of thought into like, can I justify the complication in the org structure and the extra overhead and all this stuff? But I'm like, yeah, we are doing a lot of this. Like email communications with prospects are a real thing. Landing pages for different offers are a real thing. Uh, the way that we structure these campaigns and all this kind of stuff, right? So it's just, it is interesting as, as your business grows and becomes more complex, uh, you will find new things like, holy man, we need a new person for this. Mm -hmm. um, but you, you, you have to think through it and make sure that yes, this does make sense. A good analogy is if you had to defend it to a board of directors, yeah. could you? So that's, that's the why, um, Number three in one of these ideal candidate profiles would be the deliverables and accountability. So what are those and why do they belong here? So that's the expectations for the role. So what will this person be contributing to your company? And what do they, what will they accomplish in the first six months, the first few years? It doesn't have to be complicated. And really, this should be top of mind for any business owners is by adding this person or by adding this position, uh, these you know, five buckets will be taken care of or these five goals will be accomplished. And I think an important way to frame those when you're when you're making one of these is it should be pretty results focused. These are the results mm -hmm. that this person is going to deliver yeah. to us, the organization, in order to create an ROI. Because the, like these people cost money. Every single role you bring on is, is payroll. 
Uh, it's insurance. It's it's perhaps benefits. If you're going to do that, what are the results that they deliver to the organization to make it worth that expenditure? Yeah, hundred percent. And a good example of this is like if you're looking at a salesperson, you're looking at a production manager, right? If you are adding a role of a production manager that that needs to oversee production of let's say two million dollars in in roofing revenue and you're doing it at a 35 percent margin they're adding seven hundred thousand dollars in gross margin Mm -hmm. to the organization and the question is is can you now mathematically based on your numbers justify how that you now have an roi on that person so they're not you i'm not looking at them as a cost they are a revenue driver that has an ROI, just like any other asset, just just like an excavator. Right. But if you don't, if you don't uh, frame it that way, if you don't look at it through that lens, that concept of an ROI generating asset is totally lost on you. Totally. It's just overhead. Exactly. Um, so I think yeah. I think that's a really important piece. Um, okay. Next we um, next is preferences and abilities. So. I think that we should actually define these for listeners. What do we mean by preferences and abilities? So every person. I think comes with a natural pre-wiring for certain traits. And yes, absolutely, you're developing your people over time, you're training. But I mean, just if you think about it within yourself, and Benji, I could be talking to you, Josiana could be talking to you, or the listener, just think about yourself. You have a certain natural level of, let's just say, tenacity to go drive Mm -hmm. towards results, no matter how hard it gets, how gritty you have to be. You could just, you get it done no matter what. And I'm sure you can think of people in your life where you're like, ah, this person isn't that, isn't so. Or maybe you're not that, not mm-hmm. so. I don't know, right? But you, there's a natural pre-wiring there. Some people are very, very goal-oriented, mm-hmm. just naturally. They have, they're like a pitbull that will just bite in and not let go until, it, until it's done. And some people aren't like that. You can train them for years right. and, and you will never instill that. And, and leading them towards it is like the analogy, you're kind of like pushing this like wet noodle and it'll just like, it's <laughs> not going, right? So s- some people have certain, uh, there are these natural, we call them preferences uh, or there are, there's another subset that are natural abilities that some people just do or don't have. Trying to get you, my friend, to be super precise is going to be an uphill battle, right? It's gotten better. It's gotten <laughs> slowly, <laughs> slowly. It's better. So, but anyway, it's it's th- that's the thing, right? So you got to think through in this role. Who am I looking for? Like, it, does this person need to be highly, highly goal oriented naturally and have that deeply ingrained in them? Is that important or not? Do they be need to be super precise? Do they need to have a really strong natural ability to manage stress? Because if that's important, and you hire someone who is. Uh, very emotional naturally and, and has high oscillations of ups and downs, again, that's going to be an uphill battle to fight. So the question is, is like, what is and isn't important? If I'm hiring an office administrator, do I need them to be super goal oriented? No. But if I'm hiring a sales manager, I that's do. pretty important, right? So um, th- th- that's an important one. And Benji, I believe we have a pretty good handout for for, for that right in the downloads? Yeah, I mean, th- this episode, just because it's a part of this Ultimate Hiring Funnel series, is going to have a whole bunch of resources. One of them will be the, our preferences and accountabilities definitions. Preferences and abilities. Um, when you read through it, you'll see it's very, very intuitive, and you'll kind of see how this how this connects to the overall hiring process. Josiane, before I move on for that, I, I just want to um, see if you have any other thoughts on just preferences and abilities at this stage in the 
funnel. Yeah, absolutely, because people may be wondering, well, where is that information coming from? So uh, some companies have uh, um, psychology tests maybe that they're using or personality testing. So this information may live in there. You may have already pre-established it of what is important, what are those abilities uh, that may be across the organization, um, or it may live in a job description. So maybe these are words that come back uh, time and time again in uh, in the job description, or maybe it's something that you do from scratch for mm -hmm. each and every role, like Igor was talking about, really broke it down um, for an office manager versus a project manager or you know maybe a, a construction worker mm -hmm. yeah and so if if you're listening to this and 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 you've not thought through this stuff previously for roles what i really suggest you do is is, is you grab this download the link will be in the show notes and look at the next role that you're hiring for and read through the definition of each one of these preferences and abilities that is on this document you'll download and just you'll get it immediately through. yeah it'll make a lot of sense right like if, if if you are hiring for a role that that's going to deal with with a lot of obstacles and challenges uh like a production manager or a project manager where they're going to have to deal with customer issues and supply chain issues and and and, and staff quitting but they're going to have to keep punching forward a natural ability to stay level-headed in pursuit of a goal which we call fundamental is really important, right? But that'll make sense right away in the definition. So again, if you're, if you're thinking through this stuff or you're, you're hearing about this kind of stuff for the first time, grab a hold of that download and think through it in the context of the next role you're going to hire for. Yeah. And I just, one last point on that. Uh, you've, you've probably picked this up, um, from, from Josiane and Eagle already, but the, these preferences and abilities, these are baked in traits. These are not things that you can train. They're not really things that you can change. You might be able to make a little bit improvement to them maybe over time, but by and large people are the way they are. And these 10 ways of thinking about it, um, will give you a nice a nice framework to follow. So that's the preferences and abilities section. The other thing that's on here are skill sets and then experience needed. How should we go about thinking through that when we're building one of these, Josiane? So I would encourage people to look at other job postings that are out there. Um, so it's easy to just do a quick LinkedIn or Indeed search with similar titles and just see what level of experience maybe competitors are requiring for a specific position. Or maybe you already know within uh, your company, maybe there was someone previously in the role and they had, uh, I don't know, a bachelor's degree and three years of experience in administration. So you know that's already um, filling or fulfilling the um, the expectations for the role. So really getting that clarity of, you know, is it really important at that level of education? If yes, making sure, you know, you're specifying the field and, uh, and same with the experience. So um, the number of years, um, what type of, uh, of environment. So maybe if it's a, a fast paced environment and that's important to you, mm -hmm. make sure you add that in there as well. Cool. I think a lot of this also is dependent on how much you are willing to and are you're prepared to and realistically of the time to train as well, right? Because um, if your budgets are tighter, for yeah. instance, you can hire someone more junior, um, like, an, like an administrative clerk, let's say, yeah. but then you are now teaching them how to use QuickBooks or your CRM or whatever. Or you might be looking at, at your schedule and what's going on in your organization and say, like, this person needs to come in having managed 
a robust CRM with QuickBooks yeah. with an automated time tracking software and, and configure and, and just knows all this stuff. So you have to balance your budget along with what you're reasonably prepared to. And I think you need to be pretty honest with yourself. I know a lot of, I mean, in our industry, people are busy and you have to be honest with uh, how much training and, and yeah. development and ongoing coaching, not just in the first two weeks, but for over the whole year, the first year you're, you're going to be able to support. This, this skills and experience section, I think is, is also kind of like widely debated in, in construction and trades. Like you'll hear a lot of people say at conferences, like, well, just, you know, um, hire on personality and train for skill. Like it doesn't really matter. And I, I think that's good advice in some settings, but then there's others where that maybe doesn't apply. Like a, a skilled carpenter is a skilled carpenter. Like they have they been to school? Do they have their tickets? Do they have the experience? They do or they don't. That role is not one where, you know, that overly simplified advice works. But then there's other aspects where there's other times where you'll see someone that's wanting to um, bring on, you know, let's say like a, a new landscape maintenance um, technician for their business. And, you know, the, the ideal candidate profile is like insisting that they need to have three years of previous experience and they, they've been to, um, you know, they've been to horticultural school and it's like, well, you know, do they really like, do they, could you actually take someone that's like maybe just a couple years out of high school and train them on this stuff? And I, you know, in my opinion, you probably could depending on the complexity of the organization. But I think this skill sets, um, and experience needed one is, is something to really think about. Don't overdo it and then really shrink your, the, uh, the pool of candidates that you can select from. That's but exactly it. Yeah. But don't underdo it and sort of like get somebody super green in a really important manager, a managerial position totally. either. Or like you're honest with yourself and you're like, man, I really don't know how office functions work. Totally. Like, like I'm, I'm so good at sales and I can drive sales teams and I can bring in three to a half million dollars a year in sales. But like, the time tracking thing, the invoicing, the CRM it. management, QuickBooks, I never even logged in. Yeah. Um, and, and and just to think you're going to hire someone and train them on all that stuff, it ain't going to happen. So that that's an example of where you do want someone more exactly. plug and play. They yeah. might cost a that's little bit more That's on one extreme. Money. What you mentioned with the landscape maintenance might be on the other extreme. Yeah. Maybe sometimes it's in the middle, but you got to be honest with yourself where, the, where reality is for you. Okay, last one on the profile is... Um, uh, we call it an employee profile based on past employees. What does that mean, Josiane? So that would be thinking back of employees that worked in your company or they're uh, potentially still working with you. Uh, so really thinking of, uh, you know, bringing back almost that memory. Like if you close your eyes and you see, uh, you know, their faces uh, and remembering why, why was this person so great and breaking it down in terms of, um, of their qualities or something special that they brought to the organization and why that was so important. So you could think back of um, a project manager that was super organized, very much, uh, you know, paying attention to detail, following up. And so, you know, maybe his name is Paul. So, you know, you'd write that down, uh, attention to detail, you know, um, really organized and why it's so important because this position is dealing with uh, an insane number of projects and there is follow-up needed mm -hmm. uh, this person needs to be client facing etc etc 
Yeah. You, you can learn a lot about what you need in the future from what you've had already. Yeah. Does it, would it make sense to even reflect on people that maybe weren't successful in the role in the past and think about why they weren't? Like, can you find the gaps that way too? Absolutely. I think the, the danger with that is you don't want to think of uh, things that didn't work out and then try to do the exact opposite. So I see lots of clients doing that. Uh, they said, oh yeah, this p- person didn't work out because they were like this. So I'm going to recruit the exact right. opposite. And that can really backfire you on you as well. Exactly. Yeah. And guys, this stuff really does work. Like Josie, we, you and I can think back to, to situations. I mean, when you look at a couple roles that, that you and I have collaborated on in designing the ideal candidate profile. Um, so our latest uh, sales coordinator, who I think you know and, and have uh, and recruited, you know, we based that whole profile on someone that was in our organization, Caitlin, right before. And it's unbelievable how similar they are yeah. in their trade site. We're actually just, uh, she's just down the hall from me in, in the office and, and I see her daily. It's unbelievable how similar they are. It's really, really cool. Right. And this stuff really does work. Right. When you base it on somebody, you know, and one big point I want to bring up, Benji, you said you called it in here a profile based on other people in the organization. Actually, I would say they don't need to be in the organization. They can be, they can work for a competitor. They can work for some other company that's completely unrelated and not even in your your industry. Like Josie, you remember we went for coffee, right? With someone that I knew in another organization. Absolutely. And, And the person that we hired for that role was unbelievably similar to that person. Uh, this stuff really does work when you can bring, uh, when you can just, as Josie said, close your eyes and think about that person. Maybe you even go meet with them to understand kind of a bit more of what they're like. It really helps in forming that ideal, ideal candidate profile and designing the entire recruitment process towards that. Yeah. It's very real. And, and I think if you want to bring in even more diversity in, in your planning, is it's always great to think of um, uh, of employees, but like you said, people in your network and, and totally. really like expand it to think of a typical week. So the coffee shop you go to, so the, you know, the barista that you uh, interact with on a daily basis, there's maybe that person at the bank that's awesome that you see on a weekly basis when you do mm. your deposit. So unrelated, right? A- exactly, but- related yeah exactly i think you were telling me about that example of uh of the the barista right where you it's always so impressed in the way that they make people feel when they walk in now you're not maybe this is uh maybe this is uh some sort of uh like sales role or somebody that's that's picking up the phones in the office you're not literally going to go hire a barista but that that essence and that energy is what you're looking for and that's what you build into the ideal candidate profile and it's front and center for you that's the energy you're looking for exactly and the words you chose you choose are super important so you wouldn't write uh the qualities awesome because that's maybe not (laughs) precise enough like just to be clear we talked about it in terms of values and adding definition so you know maybe it's uh customer service skills and then you really break it down into what it means yeah Yeah. exactly and guys i i know i don't know if some people listening might be thinking well this sounds a little bit hokey like you're sort of envisioning somebody or you're (laughs) thinking about this barista but it there truly is something about being really clear in your mind about what you're set out to go find um, it, it, it does, uh, when you're clear on it, that will become baked in the next steps of the recruitment process, which we'll talk about in this series. Um, and it will help you so much when you're actually making that pick amongst the candidates that are in front of you. So some people say, well, you know, you speak it to the universe and it'll, <laughs> it'll bring it to you. I would argue that, that, uh, 
that there there is a practical element that's totally. also at work here, which is like when you're clear on it, you will naturally bake it into all the steps and, and that's how the universe. <laughs> yeah. Whether we want to explain this through like mysticism or practical steps, it doesn't <laughs> matter. I can say for sure. I've seen, I've seen a lot of, uh, our contractors do this. And then two weeks later, they're like, holy crap, I can't believe it. But like we made this profile and all of a sudden we like the perfect person applied through our, through our add on, whatever. It's like, it, it, it does happen so many like times. That. It does yeah. happen like and, that. And it's happened because you are naturally going to go build it in. So Benji, just to recap, so uh, ideal candidate profile, the sections of it, they are values be in the downloads, but it's number one values. Number two, mission and why three. Um, your, your, what do we say? Deliverables and accountabilities. Yeah. Number four. Pref preferences and, and uh, abilities. Five. Um, skill set skill and, ex and experience. And then your profile based on past employees. Yeah. So, so six components. I, I want to be clear that this will be available as a fill in the blanks template. Yeah. That will be in a link in the description. Uh, you can go through, this is very plug and play. It's kind of built to save you a bunch of time, make it very, very, um, uh, take, a, take away a lot of the guesswork. If you've never built one of these before and you don't want to uh, stare at a blank Word document, like I hate doing, just download it. It'll save you, uh, save you a ton of headaches. Yeah. So, and again, it's not like, don't look at this as some massive daunting process. This is a couple hours that you're going to add to the beginning, the planning stages of a recruitment process. That's going to, going to pay back in dividends. And just on that note, Benji, this is one thing actually we didn't get a chance to, to ask Josie yet. Um, I would love to hear, like, I'm sure you've seen examples where, uh, a business leader, an organization just hasn't done this and it's really hurt them. Like, what do you see typically happen if somebody doesn't do this? Yeah, well, things can go sideways pretty quickly. Uh, and so I'm thinking of, um, uh, of a CEO who needed a replacement for an executive assistant. So sometimes you, you think, I'm not going to ask myself any questions. I need an EA. So I'm just going to post things for an EA. Exactly. I've had one for 20 years, so you know I, I need a new one. And uh, so not doing the, the exercise, especially when it was uh, for him a position uh, that had been filled for a long period of time so obviously was very close to the previous person and uh, ended up hiring someone who was lovely uh, but just didn't have a good grasp of what was needed in this role so we're talking about someone who was extremely disorganized um, you know mountains of papers no filing system and uh, when this uh, this poor person uh, came into the role she was uh, she was a little bit taken aback by uh, what uh, the state of the affairs was and then uh, you know, it, 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 it did not work out. Obviously, uh, she did not have the, the organizational skills to put this in place. Uh, she didn't have, you know, what it took to, to really uh, help him. And this person did not stay. They, they were enrolled for a month and then ended up moving on, which is very costly for a company. You put in so many, um, so much efforts in the recruitment process. There's the time associated to people involved. Um, and then, you know, you have to start again from scratch. Totally. I, where this, 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 this CEO didn't take the time to, and wasn't probably real with himself of like, what am I good at? What am I not? What do I need in this ideal candidate to make this role successful? Completely skipped a step. And that's the result. Hurts your employee, employee brand, costs a bunch of money, wastes a bunch of time. Don't skip the three hours it takes to write one of these and make it fun right you can uh, you can totally. go for coffee bring <laughs> a couple of team members and 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 do that and and have fun with it 
Yeah. Um, I want to just share with the audience something that we're going to make available in the uh, in the description. There'll be a link in the description to download this. So we've talked about, um, you know, we've talked about these sort of five parts of an ideal candidate profile. We've spoken about some best practices to go about making one. If you'd like to see a super exemplary ideal candidate profile that's been written f- like by a contractor for a specific role, there's two of them. I got a shout out. Um, Connor Jones with Midcon Exteriors. He's a Breakthrough Academy member and he has sent me two of his. One is for a roofing supervisor and service technician. The other one is for a production coordinator. They're perfectly written. Go through these on your own time. It'll take you 10 minutes. It will really sort of fill in, add some color to the the stuff we've been talking about here for the last little bit. Um, and it's And it's all very, very sort of construction and trades. Focus. I'm just going to go over really quickly this uh, roofing supervisor uh, and service technician role that he's built. So uh, right on the top, he's he's got the mission and the why, right? The repair technician role is a key part of fulfillment of the promises we make to our customers. The company's brand and customer experience rely on the proper execution of the responsibilities of this role. I won't read through the whole paragraph, but there's a very, very clear why there. He's, he's, um, he's not unclear on the mission of this position. He's got five deliverables. So deliverable one, manage job sites to ensure exceptional customer experience and control the quality of the install. And then he has all the accountabilities listed below that. So deliverable two, complete quality repairs. Deliverable three, complete quality punch out and warranty repairs. Deliverable four, provide construction uh, technical support to the rest of the team. And then number five, maintain an average of a 4.8 out of five quality score. This is through Google, uh, by taking overall responsibility for customer experience and ensuring they're exceptionally satisfied. So, you know, he's clear on the results he wants this person to achieve when they get hired. He's thought through his preferences and abilities. So for this roofing supervisor and service technician, you know, this person needs to be a good problem solver. So that's something he's identified. He, they need to have tenacity. So very, very high work ethic, overcoming challenges through pure hard work. Uh, they need to have a certain level of precision. So that's attention to detail. Um, and then he needs to have a certain level of instrumental. That's, that's how, how do you come off as competent? Do you come off as presentable to customers? Because this is a client facing position. He's got his skill sets and experience needed outlined. And he actually has done some interviews with past employees and figured out what made them really strong. So this is, I would say, a 10 out of 10 example. If you want to see what good looks like, uh, check out the link in the description. You can download this. You can download the fill in the blanks template to make your own. And you can download the preferences and abilities definition. So that's a pretty robust package of goodies just for listening. Um, We really want you to take what we're talking about and actually do something with it. So, And Benji, one thing I want to highlight there, right? One of the, the examples uh, that you refer to, there's the project coordinator. Um, all of these roles uh, can be interpreted in such different ways. Very so different like what ways. you're saying, just because you know that one of your buddies has a project coordinator right. or your competitor has an assistant that supports him or whatever, um, they all mean such different things. You have to take the time to understand it yourself. And we see... Uh, contractors make these mistakes so often, especially actually, I would say in, in a lot of office roles, Benji, you see this a ton in assessments, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's a huge difference between like an office admin and a bookkeeper and an office manager. You got to think like you got to sit down, 
grab a coffee, think through what does my organization need at this, at this stage. And also like you have to have some baseline level of understanding of what actually goes on, right? A lot of contractors, office functions, again, are a great example. You just have no clue what's actually happening in there. And you're so susceptible to making a mistake in the hiring process. One, you have no idea how much work it actually takes. You probably often underestimate it. Mm-hmm. You don't understand what, what natural preferences and abilities are needed, what skill sets are needed coming in. You're kind of like ripe for walking into a minefield, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so you, you have to have a baseline understanding of what's up before you go build something the, like the this. The title is actually somewhat arbitrary. Totally. That's just the name you it's give just it. The name like you have what, to give it. What totally. really matters is the work done behind it, and that is what's summarized in the ideal candidate profile. Um, I want to end on on this question, guys. Uh, if a listener, you know, takes those examples, takes the downloadable template, they build one of these. How can they expect the rest of their hiring process to improve? Can you kind of connect this to some of the other steps in the overall funnel that we'll talk about in other episodes? Like, How how does this make the rest of it better and easier? Uh, It just sets you up for success for the rest of uh, of the steps. So it's almost like, you know, putting that your favorite song and going for a run, right? You do it effortlessly uh, because it it kind of numbs the pain for (laughs) everything else that's to come. So basically, you have that level of clarity of of what it is that you're looking for. So it's going to make your resume screening much easier. Mm -hmm. Your interview questions will be targeted in Mm -hmm. ensuring that you measure what you want to measure. uh, And then you'll be able to speak about the role in in a very informed fashion uh, because we have to remember that candidates are interviewing us just as much as we're interviewing them and uh, and then you have uh, you know your chance of making the right selection and onboarding someone who's going to stay with you for a long term so it increases longevity for someone to join your business i love it um josiane uh where can people find out a little bit more about you and what you do well, you can find me either on LinkedIn or uh, at crewhr.co, and you'll find out all of the information about uh, what I do and, and a little bit more about my profile. Amazing. Let's let's leave it at that, guys. Before we close, I just want to explain to you what we're going to do in the next episode of this Ultimate Hiring Funnel series. We've, we've talked today about ideal candidate profiles. The next step is to take this and turn it into a perfectly written job posting that actually sells the candidate into wanting to work for you, with you. Um, if you've ever posted something online and then just sat there and saw nobody apply, it's a very depressing feeling and certainly not very productive. So if you want to learn how to write super captivating job postings that people read top to bottom, they click apply and they don't move on to the next ad, that's what we're going to be talking about in the next session. And we're excited to have Josiane back for that. Yeah. Most job postings suck and we're going to teach you how to make one <laughs> make that does not suck. Yeah. Cool. Thanks so much for watching this episode of Contractor Evolution. If you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.